and welcome back to Real Talk Sports with Rico. As we have a wonderful show planned for you guys. Today, we're actually going to be talking about the NBA trade, tra- trade deadline. We're going to be talking about all the moves and kind of what my opinions are and what it really means for the teams out here that have made a bunch of deals as we get ready for the next half of the season here starting tomorrow. So without further ado, I just want to go ahead and thank Anchor for being our platform. I want to thank all our sponsors out there. And also, too, I want to thank all the people that actually take the time to listen to the show and chime in. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. So let me start off with the, the move that was just made here just recently, and that's Reggie Jackson going to the Clippers on a buyout deal. First and foremost, I think that this is a terrific deal for the Los Angeles Clippers, and we're going to be talking a little bit about what they did in the trade deadline. But the the Reggie Jackson that I know, the Reggie Jackson that was at OKC, the Reggie Jackson that was early in his Detroit career, is a guy that can certainly help your bench. Yes, he's terrific at coming in and filling in at the one or the two spot. Um, I think he's excellent as far as getting to the basket. And his shot has gotten a lot better. But how this helps the Clippers is mainly going back to my my main point here in the early going um, when we first talked about the NBA season. And that is that the Los Angeles Clippers, what they're doing is they've really put themselves in a, a brilliant position right now. Yes, they're not number one in the West, but they've quietly put together the best bench in basketball. And when you've looked at the NBA championship, you've looked at Golden State, you've looked at what they have been able to produce, a lot of that comes from the bench. Quote, unquote, or quote, actually strength and numbers, unquote. That's what Golden State's motto is. And that motto is not just anything that's a fluke. It's something that wins games. When you look at teams that have won in the past, and I know we talked about the Los Angeles Lakers yesterday, and we talked about some of the teammates that Michael Jordan played for and some of the teams that LeBron James have been on, it always has to have a team that has a a terrific bench or you have to have star power coming off the bench. And I love what, um, you know, Jason Williams, the former Chicago Bulls, former Duke player said here, um, just on a telecast here, I think it was with uh, Green or Mike Greenberg, I think it's his name, but he talked about the fact that If you look at the Clippers roster and you look at what they have coming off the bench, okay, you have Lou Williams, who was a sixth man of the year, okay, you have Reggie Jackson, who's a terrific player, you have Marcus Morris Sr., who's also a terrific player in in his his own right, and, you know, you still have, um, what's his name, you still have Shamit coming off the bench as well, Landry Shamit shooting the ball as well. When you look at what they have, and Rodney McGarter, people forget that he was an excellent player for the Heat um, during some stretches in his career, too, as well. You look at what they have coming off the bench. I agree with Jason Williams in the sense that it probably is a starting five that you can put together. Yeah, they don't have a hell of a lot of size, but I guarantee you they're going to fight their way to a playoff spot probably in the East with all that talent that they have off the bench. And then not to mention that you have guys like Patrick Beverly starting for you. You know, you have a Paul George once he gets over his injury, he's back for you. Um, Jermichael Green, he's a a very respectable uh, center here. 
you know, you have um, you have Zubox here, who I loved coming out of uh, of the Lakers. There, I thought that, that was another steal. So it's just like quietly, I just think the Clippers have positioned themselves to be in a really, really good situation here on the second half of the stretch. And I think what they're going to find is if they need to rest Paul George and Kawhi, they're going to be able to do that and not lose a lot of leeway going into the playoffs. And I think they're going to be the fresher team. And so just to, to note how they got Marcus Morris, you know, they get Marcus Morris and they had Isaiah Thomas come over for Maurice Harkless and he's going to the New York Knicks or he went to the New York Knicks. And I loved Maurice Harkless. I mean, I thought he was a terrific player, too. I thought he played on some terrific Portland Trailblazer teams. And I know the Knicks are in the process of rebuilding. I like the fact that they got a 2020 first round pick out of that and a second round pick via Detroit. Because I think if you're a New York Knicks fan, what you're seeing is that you still didn't make a big splash in free agency. Um, You still haven't really got a marquee player necessarily over there. You know, I do like Barrett. I like what he's doing. Um, And it looks like he's starting to kind of come into his own. But I think that they still need to obviously do a lot more with with picking it up in the draft. But they need to get, first and foremost, they need to get a marquee free agent over there with some veteran leadership to kind of send the Knicks in the right direction. Because keep in mind, the last time the Knicks were good, they took a chance with, um, with Carmelo Anthony, right? So you got a guy that was experienced, a guy that was a hell of a score at the time. And that actually changed the fortune of the franchise for a little bit. Because, I mean, we can look at Carmelo and we can look at that disaster towards the end of his, 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 his time in New York. But you have to accept the fact that with Carmelo Anthony, you were able to have guys over there that played at a high level and you were able to make the playoffs. And I think that that recipe is still there for the Knicks. I think they can be a little bit more youthful as to who they get as far as an experienced scorer or an experienced player and actually reshape their history here moving forward. So that's just to talk a little bit about the Clippers and the Knicks. And then to move down the list here, and like I said, I'll just be going through deals <clears throat> that uh, definitely were interesting here. So I like what the Cleveland Cavaliers did uh, with the Detroit Pistons here. So, you know, the Detroit Pistons are in a situation where we just opened the show with they're, they're basically bought out Reggie Jackson. And now they go ahead and they trade uh, Andre Drummond away. And so what that signifies to me is this is a club that basically said, okay, look, we're probably going to lose Andre Drummond, which you probably are, because, you know, Andre Drummond is is a completely, he's he's a competitor. He's a double-double guy. Um, He's definitely puts in work for the Detroit Pistons. It's not a a day or two that doesn't go by that you don't see him on a highlight reel. But let's be honest, with him and Blake down there, they really weren't going to go anywhere. They weren't going to go anywhere. And I think that that was shown in last year's playoff series. And Detroit is basically saying, okay, we have to blow this thing up and we've got to get better. We've got to get better. And Cleveland, what they just did is they improved upon their front line. Now, if they can get Kevin Love back to being Kevin Love and you get a guy like Andre Drummond there, and I love the fact that they have, you know, they have some of the best young talent in the backcourt back there. If they're able to put it together, I think you're going to see a club that is slowly starting to trend in the right direction. Now, I mean, it doesn't quite help that, you know, you lose um, Coach Beeline the way you did. But I do like the fact that they do have some veteran leadership in, in Coach Beeline. 
And I think all that came down to is the fact that, you know, with Coach Beeline, he's a terrific coach. I, I thought he's done some magnificent things with the University of West Virginia. Um, he's also done some terrific things with, with Michigan as well. And I think what it came down to, and, and it's kind of still, it's gotten better with college coaches stepping into the pros, but I think that there's still sometimes that barrier there, man, where it just, it's sometimes just the college game or the college coach doesn't necessarily translate, you know, as far as into the pro game. So, you know, this one thing that, that Billy Donovan's done well, and he's kind of handled it pretty well. Uh, Rick Patino, I know back in the day, he did it pretty well. Uh, John Calipari, when he came back in the day, you know, and he stepped up to the nets and everything like that, it was an interesting situation. So it's tough. It's tough, man, coming from the NCAA ranks to the NBA. And I don't know if that's something that is going to change now when you think about it, because the NCAA is basically, yeah, it's the amateurs, it's amateur basketball, but with all the scandals, with all the money that's being exchanged, I mean, with the investigations and stuff like that, I mean, when you look at it, it honestly speaking is almost like, it's almost like a miniature pro team now, the way the thing is ran. And I think that's one of the reasons why Coach Beeline wanted to step away. And so, you know, I definitely wish him nothing but luck moving forward. I hope he gets another job and everything like that. But, you know, looking at Cleveland's situation here, just bringing up their roster here, you know, I, I love what they have. You know, I love that they have Dante Exum, who is a former number one pick or lottery pick, I should say. Darius Garland coming out of Vanderbilt. A lot of people thought he was going to be a lot better had he had not had the injuries there. And then, you know, I love Kevin Porter Jr. and his athleticism coming from UCLA. And the one guy that I'm really sold on is Colin Sexton. I know I was going to call him by his nickname, the Young Bull, but I think if they're able to continue to build with what they have, I mean, they still have Larry Nance has had some experience with this roster. Um, you still have Tristan Thompson, who's, who's won a ring with this roster as well. So, yes, they're young. Yeah, it's raw. Yes, it's Cleveland. But I like what they're trending with. So I like what they did there with that trade. So moving forward, two teams that I really thought, basically to me, if you're going to put a high grade on them, it has to be the two highest grades have to go to the Minnesota Timberwolves and um, the Golden State Warriors. I think that when, when we look at everything as a whole and we look at all the moves and everything like that, I think when you look at Golden State and you look at what Minnesota did, they probably made the best moves to set themselves up for the best success now and also sue the best success success <laughs> later on as well. So let me start off here with what Minnesota was able to do. So first and foremost, you know, they pulled off getting D'Angelo Russell in exchange for Andrew Wiggins. They get Jacob Evans. They get Omari Spillman as well. And they let go of a couple of other draft picks too. And so when I look at them, I say, okay, yeah, they have Towns who's out indefinitely due to an injury or a wrist injury or whatever the case may be. But when you look at this roster and you look at what they were able to do, you know, they get Malik Beasley coming over here from uh, Denver. I think that that's an excellent pickup. You know, you get a guy like Alan Crabb here, who also was an excellent pickup. I know he was a a big time deal for the Nets. It didn't really pan out, but he's had experience. He's played for um, the Trailblazers. He's also played for the Nets. So they get that experience that they got there. They put that with a guy like Jared uh, Culliver here, who they got over from Texas Tech, who I think has been pretty good 
um, as a rookie here. They get the veteran leadership from James Johnson, who's played on the Miami Heat. He's played for the Toronto Rafters here. And I also remember when he was a bull, I can remember talking to Randy Brown, who was a coach at the time, who said that this guy was just nothing but just youth and just nothing but potential here. So I like that pickup that they have there. And I like the fact that not only did they they make a trade, but they also made a trade where they didn't just gut it. They didn't just blow it up. But you get a guy like D'Angelo Russell here who I think is going to be a lot better fit for your system because of the way that uh, 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 the way or uh, the big cat Car Anthony Towns plays and the way that D'Angelo Russell plays. It's it, it really was a fit that's much better for both players because I think with D'Angelo Russell, he's a lot more of a ball handler. Um, he has to have the ball in his hands. And when you look at the Golden State Warriors in their system, it's more of having to play off the ball. Now, I've had a chance to look at Andrew Wiggins both as a pro and also, too, when he played for Kansas. And the one thing that I liked about Andrew Wiggins is that he can play off the ball. He's a guy that really he could be a 3 and D guy if you needed him to, but he's a little bit more dynamic and athletic at that. And I think he's going to be in a situation moving forward now where, yes, he's going to be able to go out here, get buckets and everything like that. But once Clay comes back, once Steph comes back, once Draymond and all those guys come back and they put the, the pieces around them with all these draft picks and things that they got, I think now Andrew Wiggins is going to get the respect that he <clears throat> he should have. I know his pilot light doesn't stay lit all the time, but I think that Draymond and those guys are going to do a good job in keeping that lit. And I think this is a situation here where I like what Wiggins has his future really with the Golden State Warriors. So I like what they did, man. And, you know, I'm just going to take a look here at uh, Golden State and their roster too real quick, because like I said before, man, I think that these two teams made the best leeway with what they did. Um, you know, I really, really do. I feel like, you know, with Golden State, what they basically did was they went ahead and they gutted everything, but they gutted it in a way, man, that they set themselves up long-term successful, man, with the picks that they got. Because, I mean, yeah, you may say, okay, they got Andrew Wiggins and everything like that. But look, Golden State got a 2020 second round pick via Dallas. They got a 2021 second round pick via Denver. They got a 2022 second round pick via Toronto. They got a 2020 second round pick from Utah where they sent Willie uh, Colony Steins over there. And then you look at what they were able to pull over here with the Wiggins deal. You know, they get a 2021 top three protected pick in the first round and a 2021 second round pick. So what that tells me is that, yes, Golden State basically, they're going to take some good L's here, you know, throughout this even season, obviously. And we had already said, you know, as the people looking in, that this is probably going to be one of those leap years for them anyway. Um, and it just turned out this way where Curry had, you know, messed up his wrist. And, you know, they had already said that Clay wasn't coming back and all that stuff like that. So my whole thing is now moving forward, man, this roster, not only is it going to be dangerous next year, but they're doing themselves a just service because, you know, they cleared off some space from a contract standpoint because they maxed out some people where it was Draymond and Clay. I know that they spent a lot of money on them, but they're going to be able to get some young pieces here in the draft that it's going to be almost like it's, it's just rebuilding their team in a, in a great way. You know, I feel like 
they're going to get, honestly, they're going to get some vets that are going to want to come in just like they were before at the league minimum. And they're going to have some younger pieces here that are going to play around them. So I like, I really, really like what Golden State did as far as their future. You know, I think that they just did a hell of a job getting all those draft picks. So next, I want to go to the uh, next two clubs who I thought did an excellent job as well. And that's the Miami Heat, um, where they get Andre Iguodala, they get Jay Crowder, they get Solomon Hill, and in exchange for Justin Winslow, uh, James Johnson, uh, Deion Waiters, and Yuri um, Deng from Minnesota as well. So who actually, James Johnson, ends up going over to Minnesota. We talked about that. But when I look at that deal and I look at what Miami was able to do there, I like Miami, first of all, in the East. We were talking about them before with the young pieces that they had. Um, you look at what they were able to do during the All-Star weekend. You know, Bam, he played in the All-Star game. He also went ahead and he, you know, won the, uh, the, the skills challenge as well. And you look at what they have with Kendrick Nunn playing so well. You already have a guy like Jimmy Butler over there. And so you add the fact that you get a guy like Andre Iguodala over there. And what that tells me is that defensively, Miami just got a hell of a lot better very quickly. Because you have, you have two perimeter defenders there on the outside that are, are long, lengthy, and they're pesky. You know, that's the one thing with Andre Iguodala. The only thing I would say with Andre Iguodala, a player I love, is will Andre Iguodala be able to, to kind of hold up? Now, I know he's had the, the rest and everything pretty much, and he's worked out. I'm sure he's in great shape. I trust that. You know, it's just a question of are they going to be able to keep Iguodala healthy? Now, you put that with the dragon here, Gorhan Dragic uh, as well. You looked at with Udonis Haslam, who's had all kinds of experience there. Tyler Hero, who has been a steal here from Kentucky. You look at the fact that they have Derrick Jones Jr., who we know can jump out the gym. I've always said if he ever gets a jump shot, kid's going to be unstoppable. And then you look at the fact that they have, you know, still, you still have Kelly Olenek. You still have guys like Miles Leonard and stuff like that coming off the bench. Um, this, this, this club just became very scary to me. You know, I think that it's a club that if they're able to go ahead and they're able to, to get into the playoffs and able to get into any seed whatsoever, I'm not sure any team wants to see them. I'm really not. I don't think any team really wants to see them because Coach Sprostra, is very experienced. He's been to the finals. He's coached superstar power before. So because of that, I give him the nod in being able to handle guys like Jimmy Butler and being able to keep the structure. And, you know, when things kind of go awry and they're not going so well, I definitely like the fact that Coach Spolster will be able to kind of bring guys in and bring them together. Um, but, you know, keep in mind, it's always going to be a player's league, but it's good when you have guys like that who are on the sideline, who can keep it together. And right now, looking at the standing, I mean, they're 35 and 19. They're fourth in the East. They're clawing. They're right behind Boston. And they're followed here by the Sixers, who we'll talk about and what they've done. But I like Miami. I really do. I like Miami coming down the second half of the stretch here. Um, that's definitely a club that, to me, is, I, I think they're in it. I, th I, think, they could, I think they could definitely... No doubt about it, they can compete with the top seeds here, Toronto and Milwaukee. I think that they made a deal which puts them into that conversation of, okay, I, I think that they can do it. 
I think they really could do it. They're the dark horse to kind of come out of the East, possibly. So next up, let's move on to our next thing here, and that's uh, the Philadelphia 76ers. With the Sixers, um, <laughs> interesting. I mean, right now they're sitting fifth in the East. They do get Glenn Robinson over from Golden State. They did get Alex Burks as well, and they got rid, uh, rid of excuse me, James Enos as well. So when you look at their roster and what they have, we already knew that they had Ben Simmons. We already knew that they had Joel Embiid. Um, and we already knew that, you know, pretty much they have <laughs> they have kind of went ahead and changed up their roster drastically over the last couple of years. I mean, they've already gotten rid of Jimmy Butler. You know, there's no Martel Fultz, Fultz, or Fultz over there, excuse me. And so when I look at their roster, okay, you got Joel Embiid. You have Alex Burks, who is tremendous at coming off the bench and giving you buckets if he's healthy. You still have a pretty good interior here with Al Horford. Uh, to go along with Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris, who's always been the pro's pro. I say that often because uh, this guy is a guy that every place he's gone, he's scored. He's made it happen rebounding, scoring. I mean, he's always affected a team in a positive way, whether he was at Orlando, whether he was with the Clippers, whether he's here with the 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 Sixers. Like, this guy just makes it happen. So you have them, um, you know, and then kind of looking off the bench here, that's where it gets a little shaky for me. You know, I know that they have Mike Scott coming off, who gave him some good minutes. Glenn Robinson, he had some ups and downs. And uh, Josh Robinson, or Josh Richardson, excuse me, coming over from Miami here this summer as well. So it, it, it becomes questionable for me. You know, with the 76ers, they have a lot of top-heavy players. But once it comes down to the bench, which is one of the things that I think is going to help the Clippers, there's no bench play. And so that's the one thing that's kind of really scary with the 76ers, man, is that they don't have a deep bench. And so with that being said, I'm just I'm not I'm not really sold on it, man. I think that, you know, with Coach Brett Brown, I think, man, this might be an offseason, too, where they're really seriously going to have to sit down, man, and address some things, man. And I just think that when they went all in with Jimmy Butler and they traded away like Serge and they traded away Pat Covington and everything, I just think that that was a deal that I, I don't know, man. And then they let J.J. Reddick go. I just think that they 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 got away from their depth. And I think that that might play a factor. Now, I could be wrong here. It's anybody's game once it comes down to, you know, the playoffs and stuff like that. But, you know, it's a team that's going to make it. But I'm just not sure, you know, how far that they're going to go, man. So that that would be my thing. All right. So next up, let's talk about uh, the Houston Rockets and the Atlanta Hawks here. So the one thing that I will say about the Houston Rockets is, you know, they, they made the deal to get rid of Clint Capella and Nene. And they get Robert Covington over there and Jordan Bell, who they eventually let go. Now, with Robert Covington, I think he's going to give them a lot of a, a perimeter defender. And he's almost basically what Trevor Ariza was for them when they should have kept him, but they let him go kind of deal. The only problem is now from the five spot, you don't have Clinton Capella. Now, it does kind of open you up, I think, financially there. And I think that they're probably thinking Coach uh, D'Antoni is kind of thinking that at the end of the day, man, it's going to be a perimeter offense. We got to kind of open it up for Russell Westbrook and also too for James Harden to get to the rack and distribute. So I see where they're going with that. Um, I think that they got better defensively. I certainly do. You know, I think they got better defensively and they got a good sharpshooter there. I just don't know if it's enough because now you look at what the Clippers did. You look at how the Lakers are playing 
And I mean, you look at this thing when we go to the standings and everything like that. It's just a situation where it's just so many more teams that are just so much more deeper in the West that it just makes it tough, man, for me to go ahead and say that, okay, because you guys have an all-star backcourt, that that's going to be that's going to be enough because, you know, right now they're fifth in the West, which is a great spot to be in. But it, it, it's, it's kind of it's puzzling that OKC, basically, this is a team that we thought was going to just pretty much just go down to the, to the tubes is right behind you. <laughs> and I mean, it, it's a situation where I think, let me see here. I want to say that would they play each other right now if the, if the playoffs started? Let me see here, because three would play. Actually, they would actually I think they would have to play the uh, the, the Clippers here right now. So. I, I don't know with that. You know what I mean? Like, could they could they beat the Clippers? No, I'm going to say absolutely not. You know, I think the Clippers are a deeper team right now. So, you know, would they beat Denver in a series? Uh, the question is, I, I don't know about that either. Even though, you know, Denver did give up a lot of pieces um, where they did go ahead and they gave up um, Malik Beasley. They gave up Evan Turner. You know, they gave up, uh, what's his name, Juan um Gomez and everything like that I mean I know that they gave up a bit of their death but at this at the same token man Denver is still a tough club they still have probably I want to say probably the best big man in the league with the Joker I mean <laughs> jokes aside <laughs> but you know he can definitely play man so when I look at that it's still a young club you still have to go and play in Denver in Mal High man at that altitude and I've heard stories of teams just saying, man, when you get into that building and you get into that atmosphere, you know, the run is just that much more tougher, especially when you're playing at an altitude like that. The fans are really, really into it. And this is a team that, like I said, they could have gone a little bit further last year had they had the experience. This year they have the experience and I think they're very poised to do some damage. So, you know, I like Houston and shaking it up and trying to make something happen. I just think that still they need to probably maybe look into the buyout market, see who's out there free agent wise and see if they can pick some pieces up to come off the bench. Because keep in mind, if James Harden's playing at that MVP level and Russell Westbrook's doing his thing, they just need a couple shooters. They need guys that can they can get some shots to fall and they can do some damage. But right now, I just don't know if they have enough. So that's just my spill there. And so moving forward, you know, the last couple trades that we have here is I know Portland, they get Trevor Ariza, um, they get Caleb uh, Swayman back, um, you know, so I like that deal. I like that Sacramento got uh, Kent Bazemore and Anthony Tolliver over there, so they got a little bit more experience. And I like what Atlanta did. I really do. So that's I'm going to end it with Atlanta. So the one thing that I liked about Atlanta is that in the trades that they did do, they got they got Jeff Teague back over there. You know, that was that was first and foremost. And then they do have Clint Capella back over there to go with to go with a guy like Trey Young, who's been playing absolutely phenomenal. You already have Vince Carter over there. John Collins, super athletic. And, you know, Dwayne um, Damon comes back as well. So I think that that's good to go along with a Kevin Hunter. So and you have Cam Reddish as well over there. So. I like what the Hawks did in the sense that, yes, they cleared out some space here and they really said to themselves, all right, we want Trey Young to continue to excel and we want Cam Reddish and those guys to be good. But we also want to put them in a situation here where they have some veteran leadership over there as well. 
And because of that, I, I really like what the Hawks did long term here. You know, I think it's going to set them up to where, again, they're going to be competitive. But also, too, I think from a contract standpoint, they're going to be in some good some good standings here. I know that they do have to go ahead and ultimately end up paying. Um, you know, they're going to have to end up paying Clint Capella and everything like that. And I mean, they are at the bottom of the East right now. So 15 and 41. So I, I see that. But I like the fact that they're they're trying to get better there. So I, I like the effort to try to get better there. And so with that being said, um, you know, that's today's show. You know, we really just want to go ahead and touch on the NBA trades and, you know, just my thoughts and, and how they could work out for teams and potential for teams and, you know, going over some playoffs and rosters and things like that. So with that being said, um, you know, I just want to go ahead and thank our platform Anchor again. Um, I want to thank our sponsors here for whoever sponsored us, you know, for paying the bills and everything like that. And I want to thank all the fans that actually listen to us, uh, chime in and view in, um, you know, moving forward. I know our next show will probably start to ease into the whole uh, March Madness, which is coming up as well. And there's a bunch of other topics that I'd like to touch on, too. But this is Rico with Real Talk Sports. And we'll be back. <laughs>